Hello, folks. Welcome back. It's so good to be with you again. My name is Nolan Ruby, and this is the On Being Christian Podcast. I hope you're staying cool. Uh, staying cool right now here in Salt Lake City, Utah, is no small feat. We went from what they call, or what I'm told they call, a 100-year winter to what looks like it's going to be a collection of very hot triple digit days a long collection of them kind of back to back to back and so on and so forth so i hope you uh, have found a place to stay cool and and be refreshed this is the on being christian podcast which is a ministry of wasatch front baptist church here in salt lake city i am your host my name is nolan ruby i'm also the pastor of uh, the wasatch front baptist church and i'm glad that you're with us this is something that we truly do enjoy and uh, i personally hope that it's a benefit to you a blessing to you Um, Getting right into it, I want to look at John chapter 12 today. There's a concept that has come up just while I've traveled and preached in different places and talked to people. Uh, This concept of belief in the Lord Jesus Christ being a separate issue from repentance or salvation being a separate issue than assurance. And um, it didn't sit right with me, and so this message was put together a little bit ago, and I'd like to share it with you this morning, or this afternoon, or this evening, or whenever you happen to be listening to this podcast. The title of this is Believing. Now, with that title, you can go one of two places. You can believe and reject, or you can believe and confess. In fact, There's only three aspects of this Christian walk that we're going to look at, and that's the three points that we're going to look at today. Doubting and rejecting, number one. Number two, believing but yet still rejecting. And number three, believing and confessing. So John chapter 12, I'm going to start in verse 37, read down through verse 50, and then we'll have a look at what this says. Uh, The Bible says, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah, that's Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, he hath blinded their eyes, and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of them. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I come not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken, The same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, which I 
should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Now, this is uh, John, John 12. This is in Jesus Christ's ministry. He's speaking to the Pharisees. He speaks a lot to the Pharisees because the Pharisees had sort of just kind of hounded Jesus Christ, uh, followed him, uh, persecuted him, uh, tried to look for reasons to kill him, destroy him. They hated that he uh, was claiming to be the Son of God, that he was doing these things, these miracles, and had this, this power in the name of God. They absolutely despised it. But nevertheless, the Bible says some of them, they came to a point where they understood who he was. They believed but that belief didn't cause them to do anything. And that's what we're going to look at here. I want you to notice, just by way of introduction, verse 44 says, Believeth on me, believeth on him that sent me. Verse 45 says, Seeth me, seeth him that sent me. Verse 46, I am come a light, believeth on me. Verse 47, I came. He goes on to say, to save the world. Verse 48, rejecteth. In other words, those that are rejecting him, receiveth not. And it goes on to say the word, and, and the word judges him. Verse 49, I have not spoken of myself, but the Father. Verse 50, this commandment is life everlasting. I want you to notice the statements found within the verses I just read, or just made reference to, are nothing new from what Christ has been saying for his whole time on earth. And this is the same for today. The Bible today says the same thing Christ said while he walked on this earth. Believe and confess, or doubt and reject. It's not more complicated than that. The message is really more about our reactions to the message. In other words, this message is really more about our reactions to what Jesus Christ said for his entire time concerning his earthly ministry, for what he said concerning uh, what was written down and recorded by holy men inspired by God, concerning the Word of God, the Bible. It's all the same thing. So our message isn't going to draw light to that as much as it is right now. What we're going to talk about right now is humanity's response to what God has been and is still saying today. All right, so let's look at the first point. There's really only three ways that you can hear the Word of God. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a concept, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but the saying is that truth demands action. When you are exposed to the truth, when you hear the truth, you do have to make a choice, regardless of what truth it is. Okay, You either believe it and practice it, or you reject it and do your own thing. But you will do something. It, it can't be ignored. Truth must be dealt with. And the Word of God is truth. And so when the Word of God is preached, when the Word of God is read, when you deal with God on a personal level inside your own heart, he, he must be dealt with in some way. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. What are our reactions to dealing with the Lord? The first way that we can deal with Him is the way a lot of people deal with him, and that is by doubting him and then rejecting him. If you look at John 12, 37 through 41, it said, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. 
So he's doing he's doing the miracles, and it's 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 inescapable that the things that he is doing are not natural. Okay, uh, so he's doing the miracles. They're there. They're watching the miracles. Miracles here is a word that means it's an indication, especially supernaturally, of wonder or a token or a sign. And so he had done so many miracles before them. He'd done these wonders, these signs that show who he is. He is the Son of God. Yet, the Bible says, they believed not on him. And then it brought to, it quotes Isaiah in chapter 12, verse 38, that the saying of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled, which spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said, again, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their ears, excuse me, see with their eyes, lost my place here. And harden their heart that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. Verse 41 says, These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. So we have Jesus Christ doing miracles. The miracles are very clearly pointing to the personhood of Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God. And yet, even though he's doing them, they're not believing in him. What we just read was quoting Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1, which simply says, Who hath believed our report? In other words, uh, when Isaiah was told that he was supposed to speak these words to the nation, the Lord said, They're not going to believe you, but I want you to tell them anyway, because I want them to know that I love them, and that I tried to reach them. Report is a word that means something heard. It's an announcement. It's, it's an announcement of tidings, if you will. And so here we have the word of God. It's reporting. Miracles that Jesus Christ are doing are reporting exactly who Jesus Christ is. And even though he's doing the miracles, and even though these miracles are reporting who he is, the people who are watching him do these miracles are not believing him. If you go to Romans chapter 10 and verse 16, you'll find this phrase. The Bible says, who hath believed our report. We see here the true end of believing is obedience toward the word of God. The true end of believing isn't just believing, but putting into practice the things that you believe. Sometimes Christianity, especially in today's culture, has been reduced to nothing more than head knowledge. We've been taught falsely, I think according to the Bible, that all it takes is belief, and that's not right. Belief, head knowledge, doesn't mean anything if it's not lived, doesn't mean anything if it's not applied. By the way, this is true in all areas of life. The things that you believe, you do. If you don't believe it, it either doesn't mean that much to you or or you don't believe it. It's not, it's not real to you. And so the things that you believe, you will practice. Jesus Christ, through miracles, is reporting exactly who he is. He's the only begotten Son of God, saying exactly what God told him to say. And men are seeing it. And you can't argue with it. But you can reject it. And that's what you see happening here. They're rejecting him flat out. Even though 
it can't be rejected. They're willingly choosing ignorance. Okay, you see this in Isaiah chapter 6, 8 through 12. Uh, The Bible says that Isaiah was told, go and tell this people. And you see the same thing, Matthew 13, 14, hearing and seeing. And so you have people who hear the word of God. You have people who are seeing in this time, Jesus Christ performed miracles, which no man can do, and they just don't care. They're doubting him. They're rejecting him. They're completely pushing it away as if it's not real. If you go to Romans chapter 1, verse 28, the Bible says, He gave them over to a reprobate mind. We see the more that hearing and seeing is met with doubting and rejecting, the harder it becomes to believe. And Romans chapter 1, verse 28 says, The result of that rejecting, the result of that doubting and rejecting leads to what's referred to as a reprobate mind. You know what the word reprobate means? It's it's an unapproved, rejected state of, of existence. By implication, it means worthless or a castaway. So the first point that we're looking at concerning dealing with truth or dealing with Jesus Christ is this way in which a whole huge section of humanity deals with him. They doubt him, and they reject him. And the longer you doubt and reject the Lord Jesus Christ in the face of the miracles that he's doing, the more difficult it becomes to actually accept him, to actually uh, see the truth for what it is. The Bible says they were given over to a reprobate mind. That's one of the most scary verses in, in the Bible. In other words, when Jesus Christ or when God just lets you have exactly what you're pursuing, that's one of the scariest things. You say, that doesn't sound very scary. Well, think about it from a parent-child perspective. If you have young kids, two, three, four, five, six years old, if you didn't love them, if you didn't love them, okay, you would just ignore them, right? If you wanted to teach them a lesson, you might just let them have the thing that they won't quit asking you for to show them by their own action that they don't actually want it. I I don't remember where I saw this, but I I saw this example one time. It might have been a movie or I, I don't remember, but it was a it was a son grandfather grandson grandfather situation. The grandfather uh, smoked these. Um, I think they. I don't know what they're called. They're not cigarettes, but they're not cigars. They're in between the cigarellos or something like that. And he caught his grandson with one of them. And so, in order to teach his grandson a lesson, he said, "All right, every time I light one, you're gonna light one." Every time I have one, you're going to have one. The grandson thought, this is fantastic. This is exactly what I've been wanting. Well, you know the story. He didn't get very far into his first one before he started vomiting everywhere, and he realized, I don't actually want this. And so sometimes the Lord will deal with us in the same way. Be careful about just rejecting, doubting and rejecting the Lord and pursuing your own interests, because on a long enough timeline, the Lord just might say, all right, you really want that? I'm going to let you have that thing that you're chasing, And we'll see when it takes its full course in your life if you still want it. 
That's the result of doubting and rejecting. If I doubt and reject for a long enough period of time, it leads to what the Bible calls a reprobate mind. In fact, if we go over to Romans, you'll see kind of the concept of what's going on here. Romans chapter 1. Uh, if we jump down, verse, verse, let's see here. Um, verse, I'm going to get down to where we, let's pick it up in verse uh, 20. For the invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So the Bible says, listen, the whole world points towards God. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. You and I are made, and you've got to jump through a lot of philosophical hoops to dismiss intelligent design. Verse 21 says, Because that when they know God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became foolish and changed the glory of God, excuse me, yes, the, the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and, and to birds and forfeited beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26 says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burning in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving to themselves that recompense of their error which is meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. And here's the part that we're talking about. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, and disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. This is what's called a reprobate mind. They know it's wrong inside their created soul, inside their created conscience, rejecting God for these types of all the things the Bible just laid out here is very clearly wrong. But they've been rejecting, doubting, and rejecting God for so long that God said, all right, you want it? Have it. Have it. Have all the things that you've been chasing, and we'll see when you get the just reward for these things if you still want them. And so one of the first things I want you to understand about dealing with God, about dealing with the truth, and the Word of God is truth, is that I can choose to doubt and reject it. And this is the very worst possible thing for me. This is the worst possible choice that I could make is doubting him and rejecting him. 
Okay, let's go on to the second choice that you have to that that people make when dealing with the truth. So the first thing that we understand is I can see the miracles and I can very clearly see that God is here, that he's doing something. The Bible says that, uh, that the whole world points towards the intelligent design of the mind of God. The whole world points towards a Savior, towards a God who loves us. The, the, the conscience of man itself uh, desires to have a relationship with God and to ignore those things, to pretend like they don't exist, to try to talk myself out of it with quote-unquote science is, is foolish, and it leads to a reprobate mind. Number two, believing and rejecting. Now, this is a much more common form of acceptable Christianity, is believing but not doing anything about it. Being told all you got to do is believe and nothing else matters. John chapter 12, 42 through 43, the Bible says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest... They should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Here we have the second way in which we can respond to truth. That is, we believe, but it doesn't cause us to change anything about ourselves. We believe, but we don't want other people to know that we believe because it might call into question our social standing or etc., whatever, okay? Believing, but yet rejecting. The Bible says that they loved the praise of men. This is one of the things that leads to seeing the miracles and seeing Jesus Christ for who he is. I believe him. But because we are more interested in what men think of us than what God thinks of us, we believe him, but it doesn't change anything about our lives because we love the praise of men. Praise is a word that means honor and worship and dignity. Notice why they did not confess. It wasn't because they didn't believe him. It was because they feared the, the loss of status with men more than they feared the Lord. In John uh, seven thirteen, the Bible says, No man spake, it goes on to say, for fear of the Jews. John 9.22 says, because they feared the Jews, then it goes on to say, if any man did confess, he should be put out. And then John 19.38, secretly, it says, for fear of the Jews. So this was a very common response to the Lord, was, I see you, I hear you, I believe you, but I'm not going to do a thing about it. Because that would mean I would lose status. That would mean I would lose connection. I might lose wealth, family. I might lose all kinds of things. Notice that the issue was not in people not believing who Jesus Christ was, but rather in the fear of other people knowing that they believed in who Jesus Christ was, which is the same issue today. We are in the exact same place today. The issue isn't that it's hard to believe who Jesus Christ is. The, whole, the Bible says the whole world points towards a Savior. The whole existence we live in points towards a God, uh, the God, the intelligent designer, the creator, the D Jehovah, the self-existent one. The whole creation points towards that. It screams towards that. It, it uplifts that. And people do believe it. Lots of people. Probably more than don't. 
but it doesn't mean anything or it doesn't mean enough for them to change. You see, we, we live in a Christianity today that's very culturally driven, a very culturally driven Christianity that says, listen, you're good. All you need to do is believe. That's all you need. The Bible says that's not true. But Christianity, culture says as long as you believe, you're okay. But the Bible says there were men who believed, but it didn't do anything for them because they wouldn't confess. They wouldn't change. They wouldn't allow what they stated they believed to become the action of their life. In other words, it was, it was just head knowledge. It was never heart knowledge. It was just uh, uh, things that I know, never anything that I did. I believe, I believe, I believe. Of course you believe. In fact, we're going to look at a verse here in a minute that says the devils believe. And more than that, the devils tremble. Do you know the Bible says that? The devils believe? Do you know why the devils, or the devil and the demons, cannot go to heaven? Because there is no more faith for them. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. They've seen him. The devil has seen God. Was filled with pride and made the statement, I will be like the Most High. There was a war in heaven. He was cast out. The devil was cast out and those that, that were tricked and beguiled by him. And there's no more faith for them. In fact, that's who hell was created for was for the devil and his angels. Hell was never created for you. It was for him, him who, who rejected God. And so what's left for us? Well, the Bible says that through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, I can be forgiven of my sins, not because sin can be forgiven, but because the sinner can be forgiven. Sin had to be paid for, and Jesus Christ paid for it. And with the payment of Jesus Christ concerning my sin, I as the sinner can be forgiven and I can be uh, reconnected to the relationship that God always wanted for me, which is a, a relationship between me and him, a personal relationship, uh, a child-father relationship. How is that made possible? Well, I, it starts with believing, but it doesn't end there. And that's where Christianity today has gone way, way off. They just said, listen, if you believe then you're good. But the Bible says that's not right. That's not right. Here we have men who, it specifically says, many believed, but they did not confess. John chapter 5, let me get over there. John chapter 5 and verse 44. Look what the Bible says here. It says, how can we believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only. You understand, this life is about seeking a relationship and honor from God, not from men, not from each other. But we've gone off on that. Religion has said, listen, all you need is belief, and we've been kind of rocked into a luxurious mind that has accepted something the Bible said never existed. If you go to Romans chapter 2, 28 through 29, the Bible says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is Jew, which is one inwardly, 
and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Christianity as a whole, incorrectly, has pursued status and praise of men and not of God. And the result is that people have been lulled into believing that belief is enough. And belief is not enough. It never has been. It takes confession as well. If you go over to 2 Corinthians, there's another thing I want to show you on this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 18, the Bible says here, For, for not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. And the question then becomes, well, who does the Lord commend? The Bible says that Jesus Christ, God says that he, God is no respecter of persons. There's one man that's walked this earth that God the Father said, I am pleased with him. And that was God the Son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ was baptized by John the Baptist, heaven split open. And this is the first time of two where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all in the same place at the same time on earth. And, uh, and this, the first time was his baptism. Jesus Christ being baptized, the Holy Spirit lighted down upon him like a dove, and the voice of God from heaven splits the earth wide open and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so you understand, without Jesus Christ, I cannot have a relationship with God. I can believe in God all day long. In fact, it's ignorance to not believe in God. But it's not just about belief. It takes confession as well. And that leads us to the third point. So the, the, the first point that we looked at is doubting and rejecting. And that, that's, that's, that's horrible. This is what most of the world today, this is why America is having the problems that she's having. Because we've tried to convince ourselves that God doesn't exist, that we don't have any responsibility towards him, that we can do whatever we want with his creation, and there's no payment for it. We've tried to convince ourselves through education and politics and quote-unquote science that nothing has any consequences. And the reality is, is that all of these things have consequences. God is the designer. He is the intelligent designer. We do have a responsibility towards him. And we will answer for the rejection, the doubting and the rejection that we have treated him with. That's just the reality of it. There's no way around that. The second thing, and this is where a lot of Christianity falls into this category, is this idea of believing but yet rejecting. In other words, I believe God. I'm not so ignorant that I would say God doesn't exist, but I am so bold to say that I do believe him, but I don't plan on changing my life because of what I believe. I do my own thing, and it's okay because God knew I would, and he forgave me, and I believe, and that's all it takes. And that's, that's false. It takes confession. And that's the third point, believing and confessing. And that's where we get into the last part of John chapter 12. Jesus cried and said, 
He that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. You understand what Jesus Christ is saying? He said, I didn't come to judge you. In fact, in verse 48, he says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. The word that he has spoken, the word of God. The word of God will judge us. Jesus Christ didn't come to judge us. Jesus Christ came to save us. Verse 49, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment which I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So Jesus Christ is saying here, Listen, my entire life has been in the service of God the Father. I've said nothing to you apart from what he has told me to speak. That is all I have said. And so it comes down to believing, because it's easy to believe, but then confessing. Confessing. Confessing what? Confessing that he is the only begotten Son of God and repenting of my sins. This is where Christianity as a whole has really hiccuped pretty good. They've said, listen, it's just about believing. And the Bible says there's this other part that's very, very, and very important. It's called repentance. It's, it's confession. It's repentance of my sins. If we go to Acts chapter 20, I'm, I'm just going to jump over there real quick here. Acts chapter 20 has something to say about this. <clears throat> and then jump down here to verse... You can always tell the things that I read in my Bible on a repetitive basis because the pages are kind of warped. Acts chapter 20 and verse 21 says, testifying both to the Jew and also to the Greek, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. We've got the faith part down. We have the belief part down. We've got that. We, we like that. We like the idea of what that says. But in reality, there's this whole other part that we just sometimes ignore, and it's called repentance. Repentance towards God. So what does the word repentance mean? Repentance has been taken out of context by, by new translations of the Bible to mean an ascent of the mind, which would make repentance of a human work. And that's not what repentance means. Repentance is a ceasing of work, a realization that my salvation is entirely dependent upon me casting my life into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has the right to do with me whatever he wants, but believing in doing so that his promises are sure, and his promise is that he will forgive me. And with that forgiveness, I have the freedom for the first time 
to live a moral life. That's what salvation's all about. If you go to Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, the Bible says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins be blotted out. It says, Repent and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. In other words, it takes more than just belief. From Acts chapter 3, we can jump down to 1 John chapter 1. Let me jump over there. 1 John chapter 1. I'm trying to do some of this on a computer, and it's just totally out of my the normal way I do this. 1 John chapter 1, 7 through 10. The Bible says here, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I want you to understand his faithfulness His justness, he's faithful and just. What is that dependent on? It's dependent on our forgive. Excuse me, our repentance, not our belief. Our repentance, not believing, is just a matter of willing ignorance. So believing is just seeing what's right there in front of you. It's just acknowledging the reality of who Jesus Christ is. But repenting is a whole different issue. It's putting your life, your heart everything into the hands of a Savior who has the right to do with you whatever he would so see fit. But with that right, he also made a promise that if I repented, he would forgive me. And with that forgiveness, I have the right to serve him because of him in me. I'm a new creature. The Bible says uh, upon accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior that you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. If you go to 2 Peter chapter 3, 8 through 10, the Bible says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up." making sure I'm in the right place. <clears throat> Jump down all the way to um, verse 11. Seeing that these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought we to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of, uh, of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. It's according to his promise. Our repentance to him is entirely dependent on our faith in his word, his word, his promise. What's his promise? That he'll give us a new life. So you understand, folks, we have a world that rejects God, doubts him and rejects him. And then we have those who are not so bold as to outright reject him, 
but they're also not so committed that they're going to let believing on him change their life. They'll say they're going to believe, but they want their life and their mannerisms and the things that they do, their normal schedule to look like that of every single other person around them. And then there are those who the Bible says believe and confess. To believe and confess means that I fear God more than I fear men. In other words, that that word fear there is a word for reverence. Reverence. I reverence the Lord. If you jump over to Luke 13, 3, the Bible says this. Get to where I need to be here. Luke 13 and and verse 3. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And so, number one, folks, we have this concept of believing. Before we get to that, Most of the world, a good majority of the world, looks at the creation of God, and it it doubts him and rejects him. And the longer that a world in unison does that, the more difficult it becomes to deal with truth. And that's exactly what you're seeing, particularly in America today. Just the very concept of truth is uncomfortable to people. The very reality that there is an objective, unarguable truth is is hurtful to people. We, we live in a society that says, you know, we can't hurt people with words, and, and they frame truth in a, in a hurtful way. And if you speak truth, then somehow you don't love them, when in reality the Bible says the only way to love people is to speak truth. But they've been given over to a reprobate mind. So the results of their normal actions are going to be contrary to God's will. God has given them free course to pursue that which they want. And the result, the end result of that will be separation from God. And it's, it's a horrible thing. It breaks my heart. And then you have number two, the believing and rejecting. This is the massive section of Christianity today, mostly. We believe. We believe. The Bible says the devils believe, and what's more than that? They tremble. They tremble, which is more than I can say for most Christians. It's not just about believing. It's about, number three, believing and confessing. And what is confessing? Repentance. Repentance. That means I come to the Lord with the full acknowledgement of my guilt before him. I'm not born perfect and become a sinner after I sin, I'm born a sinner, and the fact that I sin is proof of who I am. I bring that to the Lord, and I give that to him. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner, and you have the right to judge me. But I want you to to remember what Jesus Christ said. He said, said, I'm not going to judge you. John 12, verse 46, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So I can reject Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ didn't come to judge you. 
He came to save you. The word of God is the judge. So where is your life? Is your life on the side of open doubting and rejection of God? Is your life somewhere in the middle where I know God's real? I believe him, but it hasn't really changed anything about how I live my life. It hasn't changed any of my actions. I just believe him because it's, it's, it's ignorant to not see the hand of God in the lives of men. So I, I see it. I believe it. But I haven't done anything about it. Or are you a child of God? You believe him, and that belief has led to you putting your life, your heart, your aspirations, your fears, your joys, your existence into the hands of the Lord and giving him the right over your life. Do you believe him because of because of logic and that's all? Or do you believe and have confessed him because of conviction? It's been said this way, if, becoming, if being a Christian became illegal tomorrow, in other words, we're going into a time when Christianity will once again be persecuted, and if you've never read anything about the persecution of Christians, there's several books you can read. The Martyr's Mirror is a fantastic one. Fox's Book of Martyrs is another one about people who have died for what they believed would not renounce the name of their Lord and Savior. But if being a Christian became illegal, would anyone pursue you for illegal action? Are you a Christian because you say you are? Or are you a Christian because people watch you live life and your life says you are? Are you a Christian because of the words of your mouth? Or are you a Christian because by God's grace, through the power of Jesus Christ, the actions of your life show it? Do you tell other people about God? Or is that something that you, you, know, you do in secret? I don't want anybody else to know that I'm a Christian. I, I fear men. And so, yeah, I believe, but don't tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know that I believe. I just want to believe without there being any responsibility of believing on me. Well, folks, that's never worked. Just like being a citizen of the United States, uh, claiming all the privileges and rejecting all the responsibility hasn't worked. The same thing can be said for Christianity. You can't have all the privileges and none of the responsibility. The privileges is everlasting life with God the Father. What's the responsibility? A life lived for his purposes, which you can't do without Jesus Christ. Pretty simple. So do you believe? And that's where it stops. Or do you believe to the point where you're willing to confess and repent? Paul said, I die daily. The worst part of this is that I don't believe, I don't confess, I don't do anything. I'm just living my life the way I want to. And if you get in my way, I'll make fun of you and cast you down and all of that. The Bible says those are actions of a person who's been given over to a reprobate mind, a mind that does not work correctly. But if I believe, has it led to me confessing? Has it, led to, has it led to my Christianity being something that can be seen by other people? That's really the question that you should be asking yourself. Is my Christianity the type of Christianity that is objectively observable by a third party? Or would they even know I was a Christian if I didn't tell them? If I never told them I'm a Christian, would they even know? If the answer is I don't think they would know, 
then maybe your life is a product of nothing more than, yeah, I believe, but it doesn't cause you to do anything. That's sad. That's sad. Folks, I appreciate you listening. I'm going to wrap this up. I love you. I appreciate the fact that you get to trust me or that you trust me with a a few moments of your time during the day. If you have any questions about this podcast or the content of the podcast material, you can get a hold of me at wasatchfrontbaptistchurch.com. That's www.wasatch, Wasatch frontbaptistchurch.com. You can also call me directly on the office line from that website. Just go under the the drop-down menu and click contact us and you'll come right to me. If I don't answer, just leave a message or get back to you or send me an email and I'll answer you as fast as I can. I appreciate you listening. If it's been helpful, I appreciate you calling me and or sending me an email and saying, hey, I appreciate that. And uh, it lets me know that these are going to where they need to go. I hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, I hope you have uh, an effective day. I'm going to have a word of prayer and uh, we'll be all done. Father, thank you so much for loving us for being our God, even though we don't deserve it. I pray that you'd help us to walk worthy of the sacrifices of your Son and to live a Christian life that is a life of confession and repentance towards you, and that through that you'd be able to reach others for the cause of Christ by our example and love for you. Make our lives, Father, what they have, what you intended them to be examples of the love of Christ. We leave these things in your hands and ask that you go with us as we separate. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, I hope you have a wonderful week. I'm thinking about coming up on some material here and doing um, a five or six parter. And so the next couple co- uh, podcasts might, probably closer to seven or eight, might all be a series. So I'll let you know before I get started. But there's been some questions that have come in through email and phone calls concerning some topics And some of them are going to require more than just a one-off. And so you've got some series coming at you. I'll let you know. Until then, I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.